In a world where we're constantly told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus and never shall the two understand each other, I know there's another way. This is what happens when Venus and Mars unite. Tune in for conversations about masculine and feminine embodiment in ourselves and in the world around us, relationships, marriage, parenthood, love, purpose, dating, and everything in between. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. I'm so excited for the conversation that we are going to have today. It's something that is really dear to my heart and something that I want to be able to support men with however we can as women. And so one thing that I know is a huge, huge phenomenon, and it exists for men and women, but specifically more for men, it's this idea of external validation and making your life be about that external validation, all that you do for others, how you show up at work all the guideposts in life that you know you need to accomplish to kind of make it. Thinking about going to college, finding a good job, your partner, buying a house, all of the things that make you successful or make you make it are so uh, important for men. But a lot of times towards middle age and a little bit later in life, especially after fatherhood, it seems like there's still something missing. There's some sort of thing internally that is is calling men to to seek out what's what's going on. And this topic is so important and so powerful. And I have the best person here with me to talk about this. And I'm so, so excited to introduce my guest, Tommy Geary. He is the founder of We Embark. He's a men's mindset coach, and he works with lots of men. A lot of uh, times his work is with dads. And he really helps men who have made it essentially from the outside looking in, but still feel a little bit unfulfilled. He helps them find more freedom and purpose. He helps them become better men and find that internal validation that they have been seeking in their lives. So Tommy, welcome, welcome. Hi. Hi. What's up, Anya? Good to see you. Good to be here. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. I gave a little intro, but please feel free to talk a little more about who you are, what you're up to, where you're based right now. Yeah, so my wife and I started We Embark. It's business, just like you said, where we help high-performing dads, high-performing men create the life that they want, the life that they've dreamed of. And yeah, Brenda and I are married. We have our daughter, Nell. She's four. We're in Northwest Ohio. And yeah, I think... Uh, We'll probably dive into what my work is and how I work with dudes, but I, that's the that's the high level what I have going on, what who I am, where I'm at in life right now. Just really like focused on the business, focused on raising the family. I love it. Well, I love talking to you every time. There's so much uh, fun wisdom and so many juicy tidbits of life info that people can can really take with them into their day to day. What I love about you is how you are able to take really maybe intense psychological concept and simplify them, make them really actionable for men to input into their lives really quickly. So let's just set this up in a really simple way. What is internal validation versus what is external validation? I was just thinking about this because it showed up with me. I guess external validation is getting good grades in school, being letting people know, or like you get good marks in athletics or at your job, you get a promotion. And those are external things. And we make those things mean that we're doing a really good job. 
internal validation is telling ourselves that we're doing a really good job no matter what is happening in the external world. So it's funny because like I work with dudes on it and then it shows up for me in my life. And I think to-do lists are these external things that we give a lot of power to. So we have a to-do list for the day. And if we check out, if we check all the boxes off and we like are really productive, we let that external to-do list mean that we're being really productive. We're getting a lot done. I'm doing enough and we feel really good. Then that to-do list the next day, all lined up, ready to go. We don't check off all the boxes and things get left undone. We go and we tell ourselves that we're not doing enough. We should be more productive. We messed up today. We should have done better. And that is allowing something in the external world determine how you feel internally, or at least telling yourself it's the to-do list. Yeah, that's kind of the, uh, I, I think that describes the external versus internal validation. It's like, how can you allow your to-do list to go to only half be done and still tell yourself, I'm doing a really good job. I showed up really well today um, without that to-do list being done. That would be where you take your power back. That's beautiful. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I really love the deep psychological kind of uh, Carl Jung-esque things um, and what happened in childhood. And for me, that just makes it very clear that perhaps maybe you had a, a parent that wasn't around or maybe they were around, but they only gave you acknowledgement when you did something externally and they never actually told you you're okay as you are. And I think some of those things, they say that what happens between three and seven is the most important thing in the world and you become who you're going to be from that. And so maybe that's a kind of look into how all of that could have started for people. That's interesting. The first thing I think of is our daughter Nell will get a timeout at daycare. She's pretty good at getting timeouts. And so do you make that, you know, and, and this is how like a classroom runs. You have to run a classroom to run not just the individual, but the whole class. So what do like me and Brenda aren't going to make that timeout mean she's not doing a good job. <laughs> like the ability to tell her like, you're still freaking awesome. You're perfect. Don't worry about that timeout. I don't know. It's kind of a balance though, right? Because you want to be supportive of the teacher, but when you said that, that like growing up, where were you getting your validation from? What was wrong when you got a timeout? Uh, it's powerful to be able to tell your kids all the time that they're crushing it, that they're perfect, that they're doing a really good job, no matter what the circumstances. And it's hard to do. That's really powerful. I'm thinking about this a lot too in my in my life. And I, I love examples about fatherhood from you because it's so powerful. I definitely want to be a mom one day. And so I'm always thinking about What's that like balance of love and discipline at once to help your kids become better and better and better, but also know that no matter what they do, they're good. Like they are perfect. just like you said. It's a big responsibility as a dad, as a mom, as a parent to raise a kid. And there's a lot of resources out there that can help. But I think understanding the development in those years of three to six, three to seven, whatever it is, I think they'll end up learning how to spell. They'll end up learning how to read. There's a time to teach discipline, but it, it seems like from what I've read, 
those times between three and six, three and seven is all about love and safety and being there to like fully support them. Having the courage to parent the way you want to, right? It's really easy when we're in our house to parent and like allow our kid to have a screaming fit and let them have their screaming fit, let their emotions move and then hug them and give them a lot of love. But to allow that when you're at a friend's house or you're at a family event is a lot harder. And Mm. I think it takes courage to like not give a shit about what other people think and still make sure your kid feels safe in those environments. Like let them be who they are let them in society, they might not say thank you right away, or they might not want to play with the kid that is sharing a toy. And in those situations to not make them feel wrong or that they should be doing it differently is tough. And I think those things, those things, when you're worried about being embarrassed, there's that fear there, worry, anxiety, and how do you block out the other people and focus in on your kid and what is your kid right need right now and I love it. Honestly, I love hearing that because it's so rare that people will speak that out loud because like you said, we're such social creatures. I can imagine you and your wife getting together with your your friends that are couples and have kids and you you don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. So, it's a really brave thing to do to say to yourself like I'm looking at what my kid needs now, but I'm also looking at my future adult child will need and me giving them love right now is what is going to help them be them be- their best selves later. Yeah. So it, it kind of gets into the work I do with dads and parents in general is like this ability to slow down in those moments and know like our subconscious versus our conscious mind. And if you can slow down and bring those subconscious thoughts of, what are these other people thinking? They think I'm a bad dad. What are they saying about my kid? I like all those thoughts that are making us feel embarrassed. If we can slow down and notice those and be like, okay, that's not how I and like just notice them. That alone allows us to like assess the situation with a clear head and then be able to consciously remember, oh, this is how I want to parent. This is that moment where I want to focus on my kid and give them what they need is really powerful when we can do that. I love it. That's why the work that you do is so powerful. That's why for men, finding a men's group, that's why having like, even if it's like a weekly call to do that slow down, like, wait, how was my week? Like what happened? How can I better assert myself? How can I better think about things for next week? It's amazing. Yeah. I love what I do. (laughs) I know. And I love that you do it because you know how personal all of this work is for me too. You know, I definitely had a, a difficult childhood. And so for me, like knowing what kind of calm, gentle, but like decisive, masculine, you know, energy and fatherhood can do for people, it changes the game. It helps kids immensely and people underestimate the value of that. So yeah, I I always wonder if I live in a bubble. I just wanted to say that the tide's shifting and we are more aware of the power of a man leaning into this, the feminine love side and how Mm -hmm. like that's really where our power is balancing this masculine Mm -hmm. and feminine. Mm -hmm. So 
I want to say the tide's shifting and there's more awareness to that. But am I also living in my Instagram bubble of that's what I get fed all the time? I don't know. I think it's shifting. I feel it. I feel it shifting. I feel really positive about the future. I think it's hard to see it right now because there is a lot of purging, a lot of collapse of old ideas. Um, and we're trying to make our way through them. So I kind of, I think that gives me a perfect segue into talking about life stages and specifically why this comes up later in life, you know, late thirties, forties, fifties, that's not later in life. That's like middle life, but, and why it seems to miss boys, right. When they're in their teens. And specifically, I did a lot of, um, reading of this book called Boys and Sex, which I love. Um, This incredible psychologist, I think her name was Peggy Orenstein, but she interviewed like 3,000 young boys between 16 and 19. And it seemed to me that what they were saying over and over again was, what does it mean to be a man? And they were saying, at least seven figures, be confident, don't cry. Like all this old stuff was still very real in their psyches. And part of me feels like perhaps it's because they didn't really get what you and your wife are so beautifully giving your daughter right now is man up, don't cry. They got all of that harshness and they didn't actually get to experience what it's like to be a loving, soft, sweet boy from the ages of three and eight, because all of that, you know, struggle and the warring for the job and achieving your goals, all that stuff will happen but it won't happen well if that first stage doesn't fully get felt and lived. So I know people like John Eldridge talk about life stages for men. What do you think about all of that? Like, do you think maybe that's what is happening? There's like a quick, you know, race to the finish line before actually experiencing boyhood? It's a good question. Well, first I'll say, don't give too much credit to me and Brenda. You know, we, we, we have all good intentions and we, yeah. Learn as much as we can, but we we don't get it right all the time. Uh, Fair enough, <laughs> of course, and that's 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 you know that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of learning about the stages of development also, and I I think I'm really focused on this younger age because that's where Nell is right now. This three to seven safety play is really important. Don't rush the be a big girl kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. The other thing I I think when I'm looking at these stages of life is that the age doesn't really matter in a lot of ways. I think you can go and transition and have rites of passage at different ages. So it's like, it's never too late, but understanding it is kind of important, I guess. And in a lot of my work, you know, coaching isn't about going back and doing the childhood work. Sometimes we go there and sometimes we look back so we can get a clear picture of how we behave today and where we are. But it's really about moving forward and creating the life that you want. So for these stages in life, recognizing maybe like looking back what was missed okay, let's not put too much weight on that though. How can we get more of that in our life right now? So if it is that time in life where you're like, shoot, my parents got divorced when I was five and I didn't have the safety. I like almost felt like I had to be the man of the house and take everything over. And there was a lot of weight on my shoulders at the age of five. 
that's really interesting. And maybe that's showing up now with you're putting too much pressure on yourself. So how can we have a little more fun right now? Like, how can we take a little bit of that pressure off once in a while and go back to that, like, fun, playful way? And it's not going to be easy because since you were five for the last 30 plus years, you've had this pressure and fun hasn't been necessarily important. But we can take little steps and little changes to progress and move forward. Totally. That yeah. that had me think of like, oh, this is such a beautiful thing. Instead of like one day, just like some sort of coping mechanism pops out and you just like buy a Ferrari and don't tell anyone. That's yeah. like the fun thing that like was missed when you were seven that's showing up now at 45 because you didn't actually give yourself fun. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of like our feelings, our emotions and how we're not connected with them Mm. most of the time. And then they like all of a sudden, boom, come out. And that's like the, all of a sudden I bought a Ferrari or like on the anger side, like all of a sudden I flipped out. And yeah, that's interesting. The going and buying the Ferrari is like that little play, being a kid kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the way that I really appreciate how John Eldridge talks about it, he's this author that wrote this book called Wild at Heart. You know, I thought it was very powerful in regard to understanding maybe a male psyche. But to put it very briefly, it's six stages. He talks about the boyhood stage, which you basically just need love from, from dad and from mom. The cowboy stage where you basically need fun the warrior stage where you go out and like that's when you like take that internship across the world and you like make it and you try to like get your finances in order all that then the lover stage right you want a partnership then there's the king stage where you're building your your castle more or less and then the final stage is the stage which is where you kind of become a mentor to other young boys and start helping them in their journeys Yeah, you sent me that article and I looked at it in those stages. And the thing that came up for me was the warrior and the lover. And I thought about how we model those things for our kids. You Mm. know that like it's not what you tell your kids. It's how you model and how you're showing up is what they really pick up, your behaviors. So men are really good at modeling hard work dedication mm-hmm. not all men it's not mm-hmm. uh you know that's not all encompassing but i think that warrior mentality is usually present and the boy the daughter will pick up on that hard work mm-hmm. that lover side the how are they how are you modeling love how are you modeling how to be in a relationship because like Mm. in that article it says the lover is when you start to find like your partner and how you like what you're going to bring to that side of your Mm. life what are you going to bring to your partnership so like what was modeled for you what did you learn from the men in your life about relationships was were you in a household that was separated and the your dad wasn't around often and there was a lot of fighting and your dad didn't your mom didn't treat your dad with respect your dad didn't treat your mom with respect okay so how is that going to show up for you in your lover stage of life that's what i noticed was kind of missing and yeah i don't know if there's any statistics on this but that article talked about how many 
marriages end in divorce. I wonder the statistics of like, like what were the people that got divorced? What was mm-hmm. their parents' relationship like? Were totally. they divorced? And like, there, there's definitely this generational connection of relationships and how relationships totally. are in your life. I think that makes sense. And I think like until people really dive into themselves, they're probably going to repeat the similar patterns of their families because that was built into them in those early ages. And it makes a lot of sense. And I do think like the general idea is that a lot of times perhaps maybe, you know, boys will meet a girl earlier in their lives, but they haven't quite yet had any sort of initiation. They didn't actually have any parent telling them they were good as they are. So maybe they use that relationship as a bit of validation as well. And maybe that relationship starts too early. And then they feel maybe later in life, like, hey, I actually didn't achieve any of the things I really wanted to achieve. That could happen as well. And that could be a reason for some some percentage of the divorces that happen. Yeah. Well, so I just finished Will Smith's new book, Will. Oh, uh, tell me about it. Actually, I still have like 20 pages, but okay. it's awesome. I love Will Smith. Like growing up, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I could probably tell you every line to Independence Day and Men in Black. <laughs> and I had a Men in Black poster in my room. He was like my my thing. And reading his book, like the first half, it's cool because you get some like behind the scenes and you get the story of his becoming the biggest movie star in the world. But he also talks about how his parents shaped his behaviors and his personality. And then he became like on top of the world from the outside. Great family. And last quarter of the book is about how he got there and then realized that he wasn't really connected with his family and his whole family like wasn't happy or it just looked good from the outside, but it wasn't like good in the family unit. And he took his dive internally to explore stuff about himself. It was modeling. So like he started to realize that he was trying to not be like his dad, but Mm. he ended up being like, just like his dad. And Mm. it kind of became the default. What are some like characteristics that were like his dad that he wasn't happy about? It was the hard work the sacrifice everything Mm. to provide for your family. Mm -hmm. And he saw the good in that. It's kind of tough, but that's really what it was, was his dad was a business owner, always worked really hard, laid in this dedication. And that's what like Will really was focused on in his life was like, he was doing it for his family to create his Mm. family and putting it all on the outside without thinking about what his family really needed, like connecting with each individual. And that's a, that's a cool practice to do is to like, instead of assume what everybody needs, like look at them and cue in on their little cues here and there and see what they, and try to use your intuition to find out what your family really needs. And that's what he started turning to towards the end of the book. It's cool. That's so beautiful. I love that because I do think that that happens a lot for men. And I've, I've noticed that in a lot of the men that I know, there's this noble effort to just like handle things and work hard and just sacrifice because you think that's going to make everyone happy. But 
at the end of it, it's not what people need. It's especially not what the women and the more feminine beings in your life need. But, you know, like I had a couple friend who, you know, were going through a bit of a rocky time. And as it turned out, the man in question was just like spending all of this time and effort on their finances. And he was just like constantly in these spreadsheets. He was just like obsessed with like making X amount of money because it was not for him. It was for the family. It was for them. But through that, he was completely missing out on his kids. He was missing out on his wife. He was missing out on everything. And it was such a beautiful moment that you know, and in that there was some some anger from him and frustration that he wasn't getting validated for those things. Like he wasn't getting acknowledged. And so it became this loop of resentment until both parties were able to say, like, that's not what I need. <laughs> this is what I need. And yeah. Yeah. We try to make other people happy so we feel good. And that's impossible. Like we can't make other people <laughs> happy. But the trick yeah. is is if we make ourselves happy. Mm. then usually we have the ability to make other people in our lives happy. There were like a few things there. Cause I think that example you just gave was so detailed and very, I think it would speak to a lot of people that are hearing this or in a relationship mm. like that. When mm -hmm. a person dives into their work and their finances and thinks that it's for the other people to make the other people happy. And really it's trying to like, make themselves happy and make themselves feel good. And then they're not mm. being seen. And uh, this is what I was going to say. So mm. in men's work, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm also launching a group program because I've been in a lot of groups and it sounds soft, but you want to be seen. Like you want acknowledgement. And in these group settings, you get to hear from other men that we're all going through the same shit. Like we're all we all have the same stuff going on. That's why there's books written about it. That's why we can talk about it here because it relates to the human experience. So when you get in a group of people and you set the space to talk about your true desires, your true fears, you can sit there silent and listen to someone else and find something inside of you that kind of gets unlocked. Mm. The being seen part of it doesn't necessarily have to be from your partner or from someone in your life or your employer. You can find it from other men that are going through the same thing you're going through. That's powerful. That yeah. That's so super, super powerful because it, it is more common for men to just bear it and just like do things and especially do things they may not really like just because it, it's got to be done. And I do think that's like a very noble quality that the masculine has around just like achieving forward movement, making sure everyone's okay. It's the foundations of it are so pure and beautiful. So when you take it apart, it's amazing when men are able to really see that, hey, like I can be myself. I can find what it is that makes me happy in this whole process. And I'll probably be more successful if I do that. They got to be ready for that work. They have to want to step into that. So it's the first part is like becoming aware that something's missing, like it's not clicking. I have gotten an awesome job. I have an awesome family, but something's off. So do I mm -hmm. just grind it out and keep working and trying to make myself feel better that way? Or mm -hmm. 
do I want to reach out for help? Do I want to start reading more books about personal development and what this is going through? And if someone's listening to this podcast, they're already doing it. They already have that little inner calling, like something's, something's off. And then I, I find the next part is believing enough in yourself to start taking those next steps. So it's one Mm. part the first step is being aware that something's missing, that I could yep. be living yep. life more fulfilled. And then the yeah. next part is, am I worthy of investing in myself, trying new things? And then once you decide that you are, then it's that's when change happens. Oh, and it's so good for everyone around you. And I think for women... One thing that I've learned through my life about about men that is very different generally, and when I talk about men and women, it's, I speak about it in this way because it's just what's real to me. But you know, masculine, female, feminine, male—like that's all fair as well. But generally, men are—they need a little more space than women do to cultivate, to have that you know spaciousness to think, to process, to listen to intuition. Maybe our intuition, you know, we've been able to cultivate it a little quicker. We're a little more in tune with it. But that's why it's really important, I think, for for women listening, you know, the men in your lives, like when they require space or they require a weekend out in nature. And they there's so many things that I think are really beautiful for men to take for themselves and for the women to be able to support them in that. Intuition is one of the like feminine qualities. Yeah, so it is. Yeah. There there is that natural capacity for intuition that might be on the female side more than the men. So when you say men might need more space for that, that makes sense to me. Men tend to be the analytical, that's more of a masculine trait mm-hmm. to be analytical, assessing everything and trying to take action really quick. But that intuition takes slowing down and looking inside. I love that. Tommy, I love that because I think it's like maybe feminine thinking is a little more feelings based. It's like, I feel this thing. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and that's why I think men have a hard time with it. It's like, I have everything. I have the house. I have the three car garage. I have everything. But there's a feeling and they're, they have a harder time reckoning with that because it's not logical. A hundred percent. And our emotions, our feelings, we tend to turn away from them when, whether they're comfortable or exciting, mm. like any big emotion, if we haven't practiced turning towards those and feeling those, we usually do so we don't have to feel. And that looks like more work, more grind, more pushing. It could look like, you know, around the house in your relationship, like trying to get more done, get more chores done, fix more things in the house because I want my wife to feel good. I want my wife to love me. Like if I do more, then she will love me. Same thing with the kids. Like if I get them more toys, if they have everything they need, then that's what I can provide for them. So it's not, it's not just work where we do, 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 and we don't slow down and connect. It's all areas of our life. That's super, super powerful. That resonated with me so deeply, just this notion of like men feeling big feelings and the initial thing is to want to turn away from it. And whereas when women feel big feelings, it's really part of our nature to lean into it, to go right in there. And so that's like a really 
powerful way that we can incorporate each other's energy and like for men to be able to just lean in and experience that that the feminine within them and for women it's to be able to understand the value and the to be able to appreciate rational linear logical thinking i think it's it's really important because women you know if we want men to appreciate our feelings based thinking we we get to appreciate the male rational mind as well it's awesome. I mean, the learning about masculine, feminine energy and how <laughs> the yin and the yang, like we have them all and our yeah. power, females power, men's power is when we can harness both of those energies, the do, the be, the fire, the water, like yeah. able to do, able to harness both of them. And it can change a person. It can change the people in their lives. It can change the world. I love that so much. Just talking about spaciousness and freedom, I think freedom is a big topic. I, I, you always hear you know, people talking about responsibility versus freedom and how those two things play. How do you think about freedom? And is that something that the men that you work with are looking for? And how do you go about helping them find it? Freedom was a big thing for me when I kind of started off on my journey to create like the life that I wanted. I wanted more freedom in my time. I was in a corporate job and just mm -hmm. thought that I wanted more flexibility with my time and freedom mm -hmm. to do what I wanted with my time. And so mm -hmm. that shifted for me. And I was just thinking about this, like, what's the different, like, what's the opposite of freedom? So it's like imprisoned or feeling really limited or restrained. Mm -hmm. What I found is this misconception of freedom being having a lot more time. Like if people weren't telling us what to do, if we didn't have, like you said, responsibilities, then we would feel free. And I think that when we have too much time, we get confused and we don't know what the heck to do with all that time. So this is going to get really practical, but I found that freedom is being really intentional about, if we're talking about freedom of time, being intentional about your time. And this is a lot of the work that changed my life, like Tim Ferriss, David Allen, getting things done. And Tim Ferriss is the four-hour work week. Those books, being intentional about my time, planning my day the day before. And it, there's like this oxymoron here that like restraining your schedule actually creates more freedom. And so you get to plan your time for what you want to do. And when I started doing that at my corporate job, I started feeling freedom while I was still there. It wasn't, it didn't become about the job that was holding me back and restraining. And it's ourself, like really what we're, <laughs> so if we go to what we like, what it really boils down to is that what's restraining us, where we're imprisoned right now is from our subconscious mind. Like our brain keeps us locked in these behaviors and to get that feeling of freedom is getting control of your mind. Like understanding what those subconscious stories, beliefs that we carry around, how they show up for us right now. And when we get control of them, we can use that part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex to 
plan ahead and get what we want. And that can be done in so many ways. So like, how do you do that? You journal or you meditate or you get a coach. I think those three ways are usually how you start to become aware of the subconscious brain. So powerful. I love that. I've been able to really you know, start to love the masculine qualities within me. And um, I'm quite rational and linear and I love to make things happen. And I'm driven and I, I don't like when time is wasted. And so it's really been amazing to just realize that freedom is not absolving myself of responsibilities. It's the exact opposite. When I don't have responsibilities, I feel confused and lost and just like flailing in the middle of the ocean. And so when I have, like you said, when I have clarity and understanding that's purposeful, it's so freeing. Yeah. We want to work. Like we want to have something to do and we love our families. So how do we, when we can prioritize and be purposeful about how we're going to spend our time and plan ahead, that's when we get that fulfilling feeling and Mm. we feel like we're more in control. I think it was James Clear or somebody that said, it's better to do nothing than to do something useless. Yeah. And that kind of goes into confusion. And I love James Clear and Atomic Habits and his blog and try doing nothing and just sitting there. And (laughs) it could be weird because then you start seeing your thoughts and you start seeing, and that goes back to Will Smith, like in that part of the book, when he like slows down and is by himself for like the first yeah. time in his adult life. Yeah. Shit comes up and it's cool because it's freeing. That's one of my favorite things about men is just this like real true desire to be useful, to make things better for people. It's very generous. It comes from a very generous space um, yeah. of just like, I want to make this thing work for you. I want to make that window look better for you, you know? It's really quite beautiful, but all of those positive, powerful emotions can't come forth if the man in question hasn't taken that time to think. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. And like that, let's just say we have like tank of generosity or a tank of love. And we want to be generous to other people and we want to give love out. And when our tank's full, it, that's what we can do. It's awesome. But when, yeah. the, when we've given all of our generosity away and we start to feel exhausted and burnt out, that tank is really empty. And then we're dealing, we're like giving out the sludge at the bottom and that's mm. exhaustion and that's behaviors we don't like. Yeah. So how do we refill our tank with generosity and love? And that is... It looks different for everybody, but it, I think it starts with connecting to yourself. And I think whether like these men's groups that are out there, the one that we have going on, it's a, it's a space to realize how full your tank is at that moment and then maybe start filling it up with some of that stuff too. That's so fun. Tell me a little bit more about it. Like what is the setup of the group? Talk to everybody. Let them hear. It's going to be really, really cool. It's a six week program and really we're going to come together and we're going to I'm going to teach on these calls tactics and things that we're going to apply throughout the week and then also mix in the coaching and looking inside and how when we slow down and we can be a little bit Mm. we refill our tank 
So I think the cool thing, it's going to be this perfect masculine feminine mix. And that's the first time I thought of it, of doing the practical stuff to make your life more efficient and put into action. And then the feminine side of slowing down and being and exploring what that looks like and kind of those more intangibles of the power there. I love that. I love everything you're saying because it just had me click a little bit. It's like throughout history, like when we talk about women, it's pretty obvious when we say like, you know, who is she? What kind of woman is she? Oh, she's loving. She's caring. She's, you know, all of these things. Um, Or even she's powerful. She's fierce. All of that together. But when we talk about men, who is he? Oh, he's successful. He's, He's driven. He's all these things. We talk about his job and the stuff that he does. And so for me, it's an amazing moment that we have now where we're starting to embody each other's energies. Like women can do anything. We can do anything. And so now it's a really cool moment for men to say like, yeah, I can be anyone. Like I can just be myself. Maybe am I loving? Like, do I want to be loving? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard you talk about that before. And I I do like that. there's kind of two sides of the coin, doing and being. And I think that's a lot of what we have talked about today. And yeah. it's both. It's not one It's so other. fun. Yeah. I love that. I guess, man, I just, I love talking to you. It's so fun to just remind men that nothing is lost. What happened in the past is valid, but it doesn't, you know, control your future. And you've been able to really highlight for, for everyone listening how quickly you can just take take your life and um, make it exactly what you want it to be through this slowing down process and the way that you help men and as a ripple effect, their families and and everyone else that's uh, affected by it is is quite beautiful. So I guess maybe last words before we wrap this up around um, internal validation, anything you want to say? Yeah, I I love our conversations. And yeah, I don't know. The last thing I want to say is that there we all have I think it's the human condition that we all want to evolve. We all want to change. We all want to move forward. And the answer to what the next step is, is inside all of us. And my message would be like, listen to that inner voice. Listen to what it's trying to tell you to try out or to stop doing. And it doesn't have to be huge monumental changes, but listen to that inner voice. Oh, Trust I love it. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Well, thank you for being such a great example of fatherhood and partnership and community and mentorship for all of us out here. You give me way too many compliments, but you know what? That's another thing that we need to get better at. Yeah, I'll, you, take them. You, I'll feel to... I'll feel that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad, Tommy. This is a perfect way to end. I, I think I just want men to know that all of them is beautiful and valuable and that's really where I want to leave it. I won't say anymore. I like leaving it at that. <laughs> so fun. And signing off for now, Venus and Mars podcast. See you guys next time. Mm-hmm.